Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This next guest, I am so excited about it because we really need to try to understand what the um, what this is all about. It is We're talking about the Campaign Legal Center. Um, and let me tell you a little bit about our guest. This week, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a ruling that only the federal government is allowed to bring a lawsuit under Section 2 of the Voting Right Act. Now, this ruling, which is expected to be challenged at the Supreme Court, could signify signify a major blow to private citizens or civil rights groups who bring the majority of claims in favor of voting rights for marginalized groups. Now, to look more closely at the impact of the Eighth Circuit's decision, we welcome Mark Gaber. He's a senior director of redistricting at the Campaign Legal Center um, we welcome him to the show. And he joins us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Geraldine. This is so important to talk about. Tell us a little bit about the Campaign Legal Center first. Sure, absolutely. So we're a nonprofit, nonpartisan nonprofit based in Washington, D.C., and we focus on voting rights, redistricting, you know, anti-gerrymandering, campaign finance reform, and government ethics, all sort of with the aim of having a better government, you know, more representative for for all folks across the country. It is shocking to me that we consistently have to deal with this topic. A federal appeals court ruling threatens enforcement of the Voting Rights Act. You know, this is terrifying to Americans, absolutely terrifying. And there are many people that may sit back and laugh about this, but this is very, very real. What do you say to yourself about are we here again? Why are we here again? Well, I know it's like, you know, one step forward, two steps back. So folks may know that earlier this year, the in, in a decision that surprised a lot of people, the, the U.S. Supreme Court in a five to four decision with uh, Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh joining with some of the more liberal justices ruled that the voting rights section two is called the Voting Rights Act. You know, was still constitutional and still in effect and, and protected uh, voting rights to make sure that uh, it, particularly in redistricting, that uh, black and brown communities were not split apart intentionally or otherwise and to dilute their voting strength. And so that was a real big boon uh, to the cause and to have that reinvigoration from the Supreme Court this year. And, you know, it's only been, you know, that happened in June. It's November now. And all of a sudden you have this decision this week from the Eighth Circuit. Uh, and for folks who don't know, the Eighth Circuit is the Court of Appeals that covers Minnesota, the Dakotas, Iowa, Missouri, Arkansas, Nebraska. And that federal appeals court said in a two to one decision uh, that private citizens can't bring suits under the Voting Rights Act, that only the you know, United States government can do that. And, and that's just a huge I don't think it's going to withstand. I think that, you know, I don't like to make bets, but I think the U.S. Supreme Court is not going to go for this, having just said uh, in, a, in a suit from Alabama that was brought by private litigants, having just said, you know, this is A-OK. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just it would be a horrible thing if this became the law. The, the Department of Justice doesn't have the capacity or the resources 
to bring these suits and oftentimes isn't being controlled by folks who are in favor of them. I don't understand how we have gotten to where we are, sir. Um, it is very frustrating to me. We've been talking about some of these same issues for a very long time. And then things creep in. And before you know it, we hear about the changes here and the changes there. Um, we have heard so much about, oh, my gosh, how you have to you know, go out there and try to make sure that everyone is able to vote and everyone is able to participate. And I don't see it anymore. And all of these things that keep happening, like what we're talking about tonight, it almost feels as though we will never get out of it. I feel like I'm drowning. <laughs> you know, all yeah. the joy that I had about uh, elections <laughs> and about voting. I mean, I'm, I vote every year. I vote. And I think it's one of the most important things that we can do. And then new things start happening and changing how we do this. And that is, is it really healthy for us? Well, you know, no. Uh, but, but voting is certainly healthy. And, and I think that the most important thing is that notwithstanding these setbacks that we see from those who want to prevent people from having their voices heard, it's so important that people to continue to participate and show up uh, because even, you know, just as a, you know, I litigate about voting rights. And so it's, it's important to me that people show up so I can keep fighting for people's voting rights in court because it depends on voter turnout and that, that data goes into the court cases. And, and so it, it might seem uh, like, like it's a struggle and like you're not actually achieving anything, but oftentimes we end up winning, you know, and the good side will win. And then, but we, but we need that turnout for our court cases as well. So it's super important that people continue to participate and not let those who want to stop you um, from, from prevailing. Well, looking back over the last six years, we already know that there are plenty of people that are moving away from voting. You know, maybe they weren't the ones that were voting initially uh, anyway, but, at, you know, you want to try to encourage them. How do you do that anymore, considering what they have learned, considering what we have all watched? And it seems as though, they, you know, those that who want to tell everybody else, you get to vote, but, yeah, all of these people over here don't get to vote. That's what it feels mm-hmm. like. And then people give up. I've had young people say, why should I vote? They, they change everything before we can even find out, okay, is this what I really want? Or they change the language. They change the way we, we vote. The times are changing, right? Okay, no, you don't get to vote between 10 and 3. You get to only vote between 12 and 2. You know, that sort of thing. It's frustrating. So what do we say to Americans today who are frustrated and they, they're, they're ready to throw in the towel and go, you know what, I don't even want to read about it. I don't want to know about it, and I don't want to vote. It's just take a deep breath and, and get back and do it to make sure you participate because that that is the you know by by having types of restrictions that that's the goal is to prevent people from participating and and you just really cannot let that work because then if you do that you're handing over the government and all the decisions that and we've all seen how important it is to actually have good policies in place and and all of that comes back to voting and participating and making sure that that the people who are elected understand that they are accountable to to the people. And so if you know you never let that sort of sense of doom about, about how our elections work take hold because then we certainly will have lost our rights. We certainly would have lost our rights and that in itself will be a disaster for all of, for so many Americans to become quiet and just not participate would be a disaster. I don't know what else to say to those who are disheartened 
who don't really understand why this is happening? Why are these people who want to make these significant, or I should say severe, um, changes uh, to our, you know, to, to what we understand as Americans? And that is the part I don't know what how to answer that to the people I want to talk to. Um, sir, I hope that you don't mind, Mark, that we take a break and then come back and have our second sec- segment with you. Is that okay? Absolutely. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are speaking with Mark Gaber, Senior Director of Redistricting at the Campaign Legal Centers. Stay tuned. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It is now 820 here at WCCO. We are joined with Mark Gaber, Senior Director of Redistricting, a campaign legal center um, is where he's from. And I'm so excited that he's joining us tonight. And just to give you a little a taste if you're just joining us now. This week, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a ruling that only the federal government is allowed to bring a lawsuit under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Here's the thing for me, um, and welcome back, of course, Mark. Really appreciate you sticking and staying with us. Um, you know, after reviewing the text, history, and structure of the Voting Rights Act, the district court concluded that private parties cannot enforce Section 2 the judges wrote, and the enforcement power belongs solely to the Attorney General of the United States. What do you say about that? You know, this is just such an outlier that private parties have been bringing lawsuits under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act for the past 50-plus years, you know, and in particular since it was reauthorized in 1982. And no court anywhere in the country has, before this case, has ever concluded that they could not do so. Uh, Clearly, Congress, when it reauthorized the Voting Rights Act, Section 2, in 1982, it was specifically with the intent that private parties would do this. And I think it's just sort of a fringe theory that developed over the past few years. And like I said earlier, it's sort of a game of whack-a-mole in voting rights law. Uh, and so each time, you know, one of these obstacles comes up, we have to defeat it and swat it away. I'm pretty confident that we will succeed with this case as well. Uh, notably, this wasn't a unanimous decision. There was a the chief judge of the Eighth Circuit dissented and found that this was wrong and that private parties have the right to sue. And and that's clearly what Congress intended. And, and I just, it, you know, it was disheartening to see the decision, but I, but I wasn't surprised. Uh, to see it. And and I expect that the U.S. Supreme Court will overturn this decision. Here's where I am, sir. I'm at the point where mayhem is about to happen. People are so frustrated. Um, It keeps changing. It's ever changing. There's always someone coming forth to change another law, you know, add this to it, subtract this to it. And it's very frustrating. What does it look like for you 30, 50 years from now in the United States if we are you know, going in this direction? Well, the good news is that we've certainly made progress since the 60s and the, and the 70s and the 80s in terms of voting rights. Uh, and, and hopefully we continue to make that progress. I think there will always be 
forces out there that are trying to move things backwards. Uh, but certainly Minnesota sort of stands out as a shining star of a state that has very open access to voting and has, uh, you know, high voter participation and is kind of a national uh, example to use for other states. And so I'm always a hopeful person. I, I see things in, in as positive a light as I can. And I think that some of our earlier wins this, this year in the U.S. Supreme Court against the odds that people thought so that, you know, we really can make progress. And so this is a, I see this this week as a, as a setback, um, but not one, as I said, that I think will be a permanent setback. I, I see this as being short-lived. And I think that when those sort of setbacks arise and, and when we defeat them, it actually has the opposite effect of those, that those who support it want. It, it shows that, the Voting Rights Act is, you know, permanent and, and will last and, and will will work. And so I, I'm hopeful that that's what will come out of this. I have faith in our president. I really do. Uh, he works hard. Uh, I get tired of people talking about how old he is, which ageism is a real, you know, issue in our country sure. again, right? He used to be, <laughs> you know, uh, taken care of, but no, 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 it's back. So as we keep moving forward and we know that it keeps changing, I keep asking myself, then what can I do? I know that I can still vote, right? Thank goodness they haven't yep. taken that yep. away. I know that I can keep voting. I know I can keep going to people saying, please vote, please vote. But there has to be something louder and stronger because that's what we're hearing from the other side. What would you yeah, suggest? I, you know, I, I think you're right about we gotta, you got to vote. you got to talk to people and get them to vote. you got to talk to the younger generation and make sure that they understand that people fought and died for their for their right to vote and and make their voices heard. And when they do that, they elect people, uh, you know, that will listen to them. And so I think that's the most important thing. But I also think it's important to reach out to your members of Congress and to your state legislators. They, you know, people might not realize this, but they listen when they hear from people. And if their phones ring off the hook about a particular issue, they take note of it. They they tell the person who's answering the phone tells their boss this is what this is how many people called on this issue, and and you can actually change minds by striking the fear into people that they're maybe they have an issue that they might not get reelected on, and so I think it's important to have your voices heard both at the ballot box, you know, and just vocally and and to your representatives. Well, I agree with you on that. I just worry that it's not enough, sir. I just worry that it's not enough. What I am grateful for is for you, Mark. I really appreciate you working so hard for those of us that really need to understand it, need to know, and need to continue to vote and go out and get as many as possible to do the same. So I honor you for that. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I hope we can call on you again. Absolutely. Thanks, Sterling, for having me. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.